0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor.
1: What's up, guys? Happy Monday. Today I'm joined by the King of Celtics Podcast, as you may know him, or you may know him as a recently published author. How are you doing today, Mr. John Corrales? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm living the dream, man, living the dream. So guys listening, what we're going to be doing for the next two weeks roughly is media exit interviews. So we're going to talk more about John, journalist, than the Celtics, the team. Hopefully we can get some funny stories going on, some happy moments, some bad moments, and then just any stories that we wouldn't have heard generally throughout the year. We'll start with your happiest moment of the season for you, whether that be an interaction you had with a player or a funny trip to the game.
0: All right. So my happiest moment of the season. Whew. Man, so much of this happened so long ago that I I don't remember a lot of things. But um, so I had, I had a lot of fun talking to the guys about their dogs. Um, I did a silly little story early on, Meet the Dogs of the Boston Celtics, which it was after Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker each. They did a video, the Celtics put out a video of, of each of those guys getting uh, like I forget what they were Portuguese water dogs or something like that or Labradoodles or something. So I thought, you know, it'd be fun to talk to guys about their dogs. And, you know, I think, I think that was probably one of the the happier days of, of the season. I always love talking about dogs. Uh, When guys, when guys are talking about something other than basketball and, you know, they can kind of, they don't have to speak in cliches that they can actually like, open up a little bit so
1: that was that was fun did you arrange any dog walking activities team dog walk
0: <laughs> i did not although i did encourage the celtics to have some sort of dog related kind of event for us to cover you should like have the celtics with their dogs go to like partner up with the uh, mspca and have a an adoption event or something and have have these guys there but no i i wish we had a little bit more of that kind of access, but our access is generally limited to post-practice or at least it is once, you know, in normal times. But I would love to, I would love to be able to have the level of access that an ESPN or one of the big outlets would have because if you could say, if you, you could have an idea like that and say, hey, meet me at such and such a place. Can we arrange that? Because that would kind of disarm the player a little bit. And my whole thing is I just want to have a conversation. I don't wanna I don't wanna have like and it's not like trying to say gotcha. I just want to get like real answers. I wanna I wanna see people at their most genuine. And so many of these guys, and for good reason, they're so guarded that they, you know, they, they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. They're afraid of saying something that might be taken, you know, a couple of different ways. So they rely on the same little, you know, tropes. And so if I could ever get them to do something like a dog walking event, that would be amazing.
1: I mean, you have two dogs, right? Yes. So that's going to be a a tough one to be able to speak and help because they're big dogs. So you're going to have to be really in control of those two while trying to have that conversation anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know but I'm a big guy I get big dogs <laughs> you know ideally I'd love to have like a pack of Rottweilers you know me me and four or five Roddy's just walking down the street that would be fun
1: <laughs> I've got one and one's enough for me um so the next one I've got for you some of these are going to kind of throw you off guard which is why I've kind of put them in this way <laughs> so the, the most rewarding moment of your season
0: so the most rewarding I think I'm gonna go and, and this might be my answer for a couple of different things because this is this was such a good moment. Do you remember Marcus Smart with the the broom freeing the ball that got yes. stuck? It was two games in a row that the ball got stuck. And the second one, he was on the bench and he came off and Brad kinda of like, Go out there and Marcus did that and he got the M V P chance. So I after the game was in the locker room and the way the way it works is after a game the Celtics PR will say, okay, we've got these three players, whatever. Uh, And Marcus wasn't one of them. So, but if you see a guy after the game, if you see a guy that isn't talking in the, in the scrum, you can, you can still go up to his locker and ask him if he's got, you know, a minute, if he wants to talk. So I went up to Marcus and I thought I was going to get a fun little, you know, 300 word story about the broom and, it would just be kind of like forgettable. But once I started talking to Marcus, he was like, it was obvious that he knew, he, he felt something more about that moment. And he started going into like, you know, there was a time when the fans were, would have been chanting something different to me. And then immediately I realized like, whoa, he, he, this is, that was meaningful. The MVP chants weren't just fun. It was meaningful to him. And asking asking those questions and and being the only person that that asked about that moment and to get a really good story out of it uh, was very rewarding because it really first of all, it's always rewarding to do something that is well received. It's especially rewarding to do something that's well received and original, but for Marcus Smart to express that connection to to Boston and to really get that feeling out of such an unexpected moment was really rewarding because, you know, that story would have never been told. If I didn't ask that question, if I didn't go up to him, that story then would never have been told. And so that felt, that felt really good to be able to tell that story. And it was, it was shared. That story was shared uh, very widely. and is still one of probably one of my top, you know, most popular stories on Mass Live because people connected to it. People could see what Marcus Smart was like. They read it and they're like, "Wow, Marcus, that's just an amazing." So yeah, that was that was a really that was an especially fun moment and and definitely very rewarding.
1: When people are sharing it and you know that everybody's really enjoying the read, and then as you say, it's original. You've got him to open up. That's what you're trying to aim for anyway, right? Because that's why you'd want to do these Dark Walking events to get that when their guard's down.
0: Yeah, you know, my my big priority, like when I'm writing stories, like I want to really, really show the human side of these guys, because I see every day on Twitter people basically almost forgetting that they're human beings. That you know, a guy, a guy has a bad game. Gordon Hayward had, uh, you know, a couple of bad games in the in the conference finals and and people are just losing their minds over it and it's like he he came back from an injury early and missed the birth of his son to try and help the team win and the the reaction of people it's like do you not understand like how how hard it is to do what they do so when i say i want to get these guys guards down it's because i want i want those human moments I want those moments where they are themselves. I want Jalen Brown to be Jalen Brown, not Boston Celtics forward Jalen Brown. You know, I want him to be Jalen, the guy that, you know, folks in Atlanta grew up with. I want these guys to be themselves because that's when you get like the real, you know, you get to the heart of a story. And that's when you make these connections. That's when people really connect to a story that yeah i can i can spin any zoom call cliche into 500 words and and you know weave them through and 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 write a story about it and it's the same story that everybody else has and whatever i mean that's fine people people will read some of it but it's those moments where like you get the real person and fun not fun you know, angry, sad, whatever it is that, that's what I think. And that's what every writer is really hoping for is to get that, that real connection because that almost always translates into a, a high quality story. It's not about the person writing the story. It's not about me writing a good story. It's about the subject giving good material. And I just, all I have to do is just arrange it in the right order. So. Good writing isn't just, isn't me being, you know, whatever you want to say of my my writing ability. Good writing is first and foremost, good, just good source material.
1: And that's kind of threw me a a question I want to ask that I didn't have planned. About, probably about a month ago, midway through the finals, Bobby Manning tweeted out just a normal tweet like he does during these post-game press conferences via Zoom. And the one he put out there was, John Corrales seems to be able to get Brad Stevens to open up more than everybody else. Brad usually gives really well thought out answers to John. How have you kind of developed that relationship with Brad and got him to be, cause he does, if you watch them back on YouTube, he usually gives you the long form answers compared to, I don't know, Jay King that just likes to curse. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I don't know, man. Like, I've gotten my balls busted a lot because Brad seems to have, I don't know. He's, he seems to give me good answers and, and you know, other writers will bust my balls. Like, Oh, you know, Brad there's, there's, you know, John's Brad's favorite or some, some stuff like that. Cause like at first he, he's done it more now where he just refers to people by name, but he'd never really used to refer to people by name. And he started, but he would kind of usually refer to me. So people be like, oh, we got, we got John referenced by name two times today. Like, um, which I don't know. Um, I think, I think, I think he knows like they they read up on us. They know, they know our backgrounds. They know our stories. I think, I think I'm just guessing here. Uh, I I think Brad understands like kind of my, my basketball backstory is a little similar to his basketball backstory as we were both division three players. And, you know, we both, took roundabout ways to get to where we are and we're both kind of sort of in the nba in in some form like he's an nba coach and i'm an nba journalist and like this is you know we're both in the same place at the same time but both started from like humble division three beginnings and and, and all of that stuff so um i think i think he understands some of some of that stuff and and frankly, I. I try to be genuine. Like I, I, and I, I'm hoping part of this is, is that I come across as genuine, that my, my questions to him aren't, first of all, my questions to him aren't generally like throwaway questions. You know, there, there are a lot of people who swoop in out of nowhere. Some, you know, I'm now. I won't name any names, but like, not the regular folks. There, some somebody comes in from somewhere and they ask like a cliche question, and you get a cliche answer. And I, I try to avoid, I try to avoid those as much as possible. I, I think, I, I, I really try to think about the questions that I'm asking. I try to be genuine about it. I'm, I'm paying attention to what's happening in the game. I'm paying attention to what's happening with the players. I'm trying to look at players reactions i'm trying to look at things from a player's perspective and and i just i don't know i i I think i i come at this from a little bit of a different perspective than everybody else i have a little bit you know different uh, you know a playing background i just come from it I, i come at it from a different way and and i think it's something that like that basketball connection like he knows a basketball person is asking that question and i and that's not a a knock. Like other other players have like Jay King's a basketball player, you know. Other other people have played basketball, but like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I'd like to think that some of that comes across and that and that just connects to him on some level.
1: One of these seasons when he actually does another exit interview, somebody needs to ask him why you're the favorite. God. <laughs> I I'm so uncomfortable
0: with that because like I don't I don't want to make it sound like, because I, I'm probably not, I don't know if he has a favorite. I'm, I'm sure everybody has like, everybody has a a writer that they either like or don't like. And just, you know, (laughs) I'll tell you this, there was a time where Carson Edwards, you know, I I wanted to ask Carson Edwards a question and I uh, forget what it was. One of the PR people was like, okay, Carson, uh, here's John Corrales. And Carson just did like a, like he rolled his eyes like, Oh, Like, I don't know what I did. I was like, what did I do to upset Carson Edwards? So, I don't know. Maybe Carson Edwards doesn't like me. I have no idea. But I I don't want to make it sound like I've, like, I'm sure I've asked, I've asked Brad Stevens questions that have Tim off too. I, I'm not, I don't know what it is. I don't know. You know, I'm not comfortable with, with, you know, that perception. All I want to do is the story. My priority is is never once not once about anything about me like i'm not part of the story at all my priority is always just trying to tell the fans who are reading my 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 pieces the truth as 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 i see it the truth as i know it and to try to get the people the subjects to answer as truthfully as possible and that's like like I went to school for that. I've, you know, had years of experience trying to ask questions in a manner where you don't just get yes or no. I, I, I've a lot of experience and I've, you know, try to hone that skill starting from my days at Emerson college, journalism school, like that's a skill that you have to develop, you know, asking the right questions the right way to get the right, the right answers. So I, I, if I'm stammering here, it's because I really am uncomfortable with that, with that perception. I don't want it to be like, you know, John and Brad are buddy, buddy, because we're not, we're not, because he's, he, he does a good job of answering my questions, but he also, if you really, really pay attention, he does a lot of answering without answering as well. So he, he knows, he knows this game, he knows this game and he's, you know, sometimes I catch them on a good day. Sometimes I catch them on a bad day.
1: But, it you know, it is. I don't, um, I don't know where to go from here. So I'm just going to go straight back into my uh, list of pre sure. wrote questions. The one that I was kind of going to follow on from before we ended up down the, uh, the Brad Stevens track, which I thought was a good way to kind of segue at that point, is everybody's looking to improve through the season. We're looking at players to make jumps. We're trying to make jumps in whatever we're trying to do. Be, what would be your biggest improvement in terms of writing or podcasting or anything along your professional lines throughout the season?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I just want to, I really want to understand the NBA game better. I want, to, I want to get not just the stuff on the floor so I can recognize things. Like I, I want to be better at recognizing things in real time as opposed to like seeing them on like a second watch. Uh, I definitely feel like I need to be better at that, but I need to be better. I need to be better at the collective bargaining stuff. I need to be better at the salary cap stuff. And and the the problem is, is that it's just reading it. I'm not, that's not how my brain is wired. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not like an accountant. I'm not, I'm, I'm a word guy, um, so going through the collective bargaining stuff, and then, like that, that makes my eyes roll back into my head. Like that's that's hard to do, but I really, really try to 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 grasp it. And sometimes I don't, and it, it really bothers me when I when I get something wrong. So I definitely need to get better at the collective bargaining stuff, and then processing that collective bargaining stuff into real nba level stories like i can read the collective bargaining agreement and i can understand certain things but then i want to be the guy who also can tell you these are the three things that could happen like with gordon hayward i think gordon hayward's a great example because i'll sit there and advocate for an opt-out long-term kind of contract but then i see like ryan bernadoni at danger Cart on twitter who's like phenomenal at this stuff and he puts out a thread that says yeah well if you want to say talk if you want to talk about hayward opting out you got to look at the escrow payments and you know that's an important element of this and i'm like escrow payments like oh yeah i know i know that there there's an escrow that holds a player's A percentage of the player's salary. I know what it is, but he's talking about it at an entirely different level that I had no concept of. And I'm like, Jesus, this is like, this is advanced level stuff. Like, I, I, my joke is that I'm like a high school science teacher where I know, I know the stuff and I can teach people like science, science sciencey stuff, but there are a lot of people who are, like, theoretical physicists. That's the NBA, and that's what I want to be, or or, or I want to be closer to that. So, you know, I think, generally speaking, fans don't pay attention to any of that stuff. Why would they? Um, I want to enhance their viewing. I want to enhance people's enjoyment of the celtics and trying to teach them something or explain like hey this is something that might happen just you know keep this keep your eye on this i think that helps but i want to make sure that i'm right and if i'm like i can't be the person who you know builds the basketball version of you know the erupting volcano like that's all right great i can make a chemical reaction um people like Ryan and people who really have a good grasp of the, the collective bargaining agreement, they know all of that nitty gritty stuff. And that plays into like that information is very critical to what Gordon Hayward's decision is going to be. So I make a, you know, what I think is a well-reasoned argument for Gordon Hayward to do a certain thing. And then this new information comes in. I'm like, huh, I, I'm, I'm probably not thinking about this the right way. I'm not thinking about it in terms of how other contracts are, are structured. I'm not thinking about the reality of how, you know, Jason Tatum's ascendance to superstardom plays into this and what do the Celtics really want. Uh, we know what the Celtics, you know, would love for Hayward to opt out and go really cheap, <laughs> but the reality is that that's not gonna happen. So yeah, I mean, I feel like, I feel like I've got so, so much to improve on that you know it's I I just I I wonder sometimes if if I'm ever going to get to to that point it's just so
1: much do you find as well and this is something I noticed personally over over the course of the season with games coming thick and fast and then you've obviously got your podcast that you do daily your articles that you need to drop, and then the research that goes into making sure all of those are actually pertinent and decently informed, that trying to peel off any more of these layers to get that extra understanding is almost impossible until the off-season comes around.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it can be a lot because, you know, recording and editing a podcast, like I don't have a producer, so I... I record and edit, publish my own podcast. So that takes time. If I record for half an hour, I have, you know, if, if it's a, a regular day during the, excuse me, the, the middle of the season, it's a little bit easier because I think the topics tend to be obvious, but a night like tonight, I'm sitting here like, what, what the hell do I talk about? Um, so I have to do a lot of like thinking through and I, I write out my rundown and so I can have the topics and structure the topics and, and put in my ad reads and all of that stuff. So a half an hour podcast can take me an hour, hour and a half to, to do between the research, the, the producing, the you know, publishing and all of that stuff. That's on top of watching a game then rewatching a game, you know, ideally, I'm rewatching the game the next morning so I can kind of watch for things that I didn't quite see the first time around. And I'd like to get that done before I have to talk to the Celtics again, so I can ask the questions and say why did you know why did such and such happen when you know in this quarter in this situation. And e- even if I'm just like noticing something that I tuck away to see if it happens again. So I rewatch a game. Maybe I write something off of something I noticed in the rewatch. If the Celtics are practicing that day I have to either go to the practice or be on the zoom call, write about that. Then. Yeah. Like, and, and I have to pay attention to the rest of the league as well, because I'm on the lockdown NBA podcast. So I have to like, really keep an eye on as much of the league as I can. Um, also, you know, of, you know, whatever writing I need to do. And, you know, on top of mass live, which, you know, we, we are putting out like a lot of volume on mass live. So all of those stories take time to write. It can be a lot, you know, and then I'd like to get to the gym. I'd like to not sit around all day. You know, I'd like to have some semblance of a social life, but you know, during the season, it can be a lot, you know, after a game, I'm normally up to like three in the morning. So that means I'm up at, you know, 10 or 11 the next morning and that's that's a late start because if the Celtics are practicing then when do I get my rewatch in when do I do this other stuff so it's it it can you know maybe I have to do the rewatch later in the day and that means I might miss an opportunity to to ask a question that I probably should have asked or you know I want to make sure that I'm covering all my bases so it, it, it is a lot it's a lot I'm not going to pretend that I'm digging ditches or anything like that but You know, I'm doing a lot of sitting and it's a lot of mental energy. And there are certainly times where you sit there and you're like, I'm fried. I got nothing. The brain just shut it off and I can't do anything. Just can't. So turn on some like Rick and Morty and turn the brain off. There you go. There you go. I didn't realize you were wearing that shirt. I was just watching it uh, a little while ago. Uh, Yeah. Watch something like that or whatever. Like you just got to get out of the house. Got to get out of the house.
1: Uh, it's um it's crazy like obviously you're far more busy than what i am in terms of the travel and you have more more volume that you need to produce but the mental kind of roller coaster that, that puts you on i think i spoke to you about that mid-season as well via fire twitter dms was just like you you are just stationary for like i work in a desk job anyway so i do my day at work and then i obviously want to get all my information in and then it, before you know you've been stationary for 16 hours and you're like yeah Jesus! Now I'm going to sleep for eight, and then I'm going to be stationary for sixteen. Where it's I don't think um, I think that's one of the more understated aspects, especially when you're doing it full time as you are of that this kind of career. It's very, very stationary and solitary for the most part.
0: Yeah, and it's this is important. This is a really important conversation to have. I think for sports writers, people trying to get into this business, your personal health and well-being is very, very important. And that's one of the things that I learned on this job really quickly. My first season covering the Celtics, running from, you know, city to city, practices, you don't have time or energy to get to the gym or anything like that. And, you, you know, you're constantly in this, you know, spiral of, you know, going from place to place to place, sit here, write for a while, go, I ballooned up to, I I didn't even, I didn't even weigh myself, but I probably got up to 270 pounds easily and I'm six, five. So I'm a big dude anyway. So, but I was, I was, I was big and like I've only just started to get myself back down to, you know, somewhat of a reasonable weight, but that's, you can't let that happen to you. If you're, if you're in this business, you have to find a balance. And then there's the mental aspect. You're constantly You're constantly burning uh, mental energy and you work in a business where you're you're constantly watching page views. And so like I have a page views goal that I have to hit. And when you write something that you think is good and people don't respond to it, that gets deflating. And that plays on your mental health too. Like I've spent so much of my life getting myself to a point where I don't care what people think like I'm going to live my life and I'm, I do not care what your opinion is of me the person because it doesn't impact me I don't know you your opinion doesn't really matter to me but I'm in a business where your opinion of my work really matters to me because if you like like I want you to like my work I need you to like my work I need that not just for my own personal edification it's I need the page views. I need you to love my work so you share it so more people read my work. Like the, Mar- the Marcus Smart thing. Like I needed that to happen. And every once in a while you hit on something that organically just floods and, and you get the, the page views. But you put in a lot of work and if you do something original and you go through a lot of reporting and you're proud of the work that you do and you put it out there and like crickets, that is that's hard to deal with sometimes. So your physical and mental health, you have to take care of that and make sure that you're in a good place to, to be able to deal with that stuff. Because if you're not, this business is going to really do a number on you. Like this is, this isn't, you know, like I said, I'm not digging ditches. I'm not in construction. You know, it's a different kind of toll, but you have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure you're eating well. You have to make sure that you're getting some level of exercise, so you, you're, you know, you're not creating health problems, you're not going to have some sort of cardiac problems, or you know, other things that, that come up, and, and you have to be, you, know, you have to work on your mental health to, to make sure that you can, you can withstand some of the things. People are mean. People do not care. People will call you all kinds of things. They, they, they really suck. Because some people really really suck and it's like if you're not in the right mental place that can that can actually that can actually hurt you know like i have had days where i'm like no, like 99 of the time it doesn't bother me and like one time somebody says something i'm like well that was unnecessary and it kind of like sours my day i'm like why did i let that one comment get in my head but like you have that moment of weakness maybe you you know you didn't sleep well, or maybe like maybe it was after a game and I went to bed at three, but I have to be up for an eight AM flight to the next city. And like I'm just scrolling through Twitter, I'm like, you know, like you know, I you you have those moments. So it's it's there are certain there's certainly challenges to the job.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that um throughout the season and again it's not at the same level as what you're experiencing, but it was definitely moments in the season where I was like Man, you find yourself watching what everybody else is doing and then you do like you put like two, three hours into a piece and then it just isn't as received. And it does it does get to you in a different way. Uh ways that you don't expect to kind of like it's it is a roller coaster because you ride yeah. the highs and then you really ride the lows as well. Now, and, I did... Yeah, I'm sorry. I just one one
0: more thing because this you watch that we have this Celtics beat has a lot of talent on it. Like a lot of talent, I think. The, the writers on this beat are, are all phenomenal. And every once in a while, someone will put out a story that, because it's so good, I'm like, God damn it, why didn't I think of that? I get so mad. I was actually, I had a conversation with Jay King. We were sitting there one time having beers. I'm like, you me off, man, because you come up with a story, like, and I read it and I'm like, damn it. I should have thought of this i this is so good that first of all it's good and like we're all competitive i'm as a former basketball player like i want to be the best i want to be the best at everything so i when somebody does something that's so obviously better than me i'm like oh man damn it um and when somebody has an idea that feels like i should have had but i didn't have it then that really messes with your mind cause you're like why didn't i think of that like God. So, but that's, that's going to happen. Like this beat is so, so good, but that's another thing mentally. Like you have to be careful of like, I think a lot of us have this imposter syndrome anyway. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like at any moment people are going to realize that I'm a fraud and like stop reading and stop listening and, and whatever. And you be like, wow, Corrales really is foolish. All right. He's done. Cancel him. I'm waiting for that moment. And to have like, so many good writers put out stories that, like, I feel like I should have thought of, like, exacerbates that uh, to, to some degree. So, like, you got to be careful about that stuff.
1: I've said this multiple times. I've never said this on this podcast, so uh, this is a first, but I've said it multiple times. Sometimes you look back and you're like, why did I ever try and penetrate the impenetrable Celtics beat? Why didn't I not go and cover the Suns or the Pistons or something that is far less? saturated. And it's just like, well, I've made that bed at this point.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) This is, this is such a stupid business, but it's, it's an impossible business. Like so many people ask me like, Oh man, you want to like, I want to do what you do. And like, all right, first of all, I tell everybody this exact same thing. This business is just like the sports that we cover. There are limited spots there are people who are in these spots that are going to stay in these spots um so they don't open up much and once you're in it's very easy to like lose your spot if you're not careful you could get canned fired gone and and then what then you're stuck and you know here i am i'm i'm covering the celtics i'm from this area it's great i just i just moved to a place that's closer to my family like the the next day if i were to buy a house like that would be you know, like a normal person, you know, you live here, you work here, you buy a house, blah, blah, blah. But if Mass Live fires me and there's no other spot to cover a team in Boston, but the Phoenix Suns have an opening, maybe I have to move to Phoenix. Or, or maybe I have to go to Los Angeles, cover the Lakers. And I can't sit here and be like, ooh, yeah, Lakers. I grew up hating the Lakers. I can't go cover them. Like, but your ass, you better be out there. You know, jobs open up, so you you've got to be open to a lot of things.
1: I'll be happy with any any of them, to be quite honest. Um, it's tough, though; it really is, and especially with, like you said, when everything's so um so saturated with talent. Now, I did say we'd be done in twenty; we've run ran over, so I'll finish on this one. What was the hardest part of your season for you?
0: The the Zoom calls, the Zoom calls. I didn't like those <laughs> because it it was limiting and the. And, and look, I, I will say this. I'm 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 saying this to answer it honestly, but not to complain because this was the COVID situation. There was no other option, and certainly the world had much much bigger problems. So I'm certainly not going to sit here and say, "Woe is me. These Zoom calls suck and whatever." Like, please, everybody who's listening, understand that I understand that like. The where this ranks in like problems in this world, it's like the lowest problem. But for my job, it, it definitely added difficulty to my job because normally in a scrum situation, Brad is there for four or five minutes. And if I have three questions, I can keep asking or I can ask a follow up. You know, I ask him a question, and he answers, and I say, wait a minute, but if, if that's the case, blah, blah, blah on the zoom you have to raise your hand you have to hit the button that says raise hand they unmute you you ask the question then they mute you so if i have a follow-up i can raise my hand again but there's no guarantee that they're going to call on you so it it homogenized the entire process there was no room for one-on-ones um you had to try like a roundabout way to get the one-on-ones done if you could get them at all which i couldn't um a couple of guys did manage something but so. That made everything the same. Like, we all had the same Zooms. We all had the same quotes. So there was none of that original stuff. I couldn't have that Marcus Smart moment that I had with the broom over Zoom because they just brought up certain guys. And if I had a question for Grant Williams, and he wasn't one of the guys that was coming up to the Zooms, tough. You're, you don't get that. So that was that was my least favorite element of it. But I totally understand it. Um, this is, you know, the, the fact that they were able to put this this entire season back on in these playoffs and, and to do with no COVID cases. Like, that's the trade-off? Fine. But um, I, I didn't have to like it.
1: That's fair. No, you don't. Have, it's, um, when they started doing the Zooms, I was like, this is actually awesome. I managed to get on a few ran, randomly, no Celtic Zooms I've been on, but I was on a couple of... um. I was on the John Morant Rookie of the Year one, which was a highlight of my season yeah. for me, which was, nice. um, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to get to do that unless I'm randomly in Memphis for a weekend and I get super lucky. So um, they, they benefit, but definitely I can see what you're saying. There's no follow-ups.
0: Yeah. I, I can see, like, from when I was a blogger, like, Zoom calls would have been, like, the best thing in the world because, like, you, it, it levels the playing field, right? Um, but, you know, for, for me to do my job, it, it made it a lot more difficult. It's probably why you saw more columns from from us from me because it was like that's the only way to do something original was to write something that had my own thoughts like that was it so uh it was a little bit more opinion based and I'm not a columnist I'm happy to write them but uh that was the only way to get something original out there
1: so that's the exit interview done um I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever done an exit interview for yourself before no no it's no. <laughs> a bit different but I'm
0: happy I'm happy to do them you know this is fun
1: it's different yeah thank you for jumping on guys if you haven't bought john's book already where can they find it john
0: anywhere books are sold but certainly on amazon uh but if you have like an independent bookseller or something like that you can certainly go through them but amazon barnes and noble it's called uh the boston celtics all-time all-stars the best players at each position for the season
1: And that's it, guys. So you can catch us again on, this will be Monday. So you'll catch us again on Wednesday when we'll have another exit interview for you. Thanks again, John. You got it, man.